just put my data off. This phone has a habit of getting weird messages. Ah. So it's uh, an honor to be here this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening. Um, so Tony, I saw you left your phone here. I wasn't sure if you wanted me to keep track of time. We'll see how it goes. If I'm going too long, you know the sign. Yeah. So if, if Tony does this, it doesn't mean loser. It means land the preach. I remember we had, uh, recently we had someone uh, preaching in Sunningdale. And one of the other elders was like, wrap it up. Wrap it up. It's like going long. And he's thinking, keep on going. Keep on going. <laughs> so he's like, I'm like, I've got nothing left, but I'll carry on. So we need to get our signs right. Tony, that's, that's land. That's land, brother. So, I love coming here. I want to, to see what the brothers and sisters in another congregation is doing. But mainly, actually, if I'm honest, to see Tony and Lindsay. So, we've, they've actually been our um, overseeing elders when we were community leaders. Then we um, on the same eldership team. And then we led a little congregation called, called Sunningdale AM Amphitheater Bloberg. Because we, we broke our congregation up into uh, three, four groups of 100 each, roundabout. And myself and Tony and Lindsay and Tanya, we kind of led it. And it was on the beach, on Bloberg Beach, where the best um, venue. I heard you guys talking about the venue. We had the best venue in the world. As we worshipped, we saw the beach, we saw Table Mountain. It was incredible. And as I was... Um, Praying in the week. So first I had a word. I had a, actually had a good word for you guys. I had like a, a nice Old Testament word about Joseph and looking at the big picture, not what's in front of you because that story is not really about Joseph. It's about Judah. It's about the son of promise, what the Lord's trying to do in the big picture. About not looking at your situation now, but looking at the big picture. But actually, uh, but then the Lord started speaking about foundations, foundations, foundations. And then yesterday, Tony sent me a message to say, Oh, we're doing starting point orientation in a few weeks' time. And I was under the impression you guys have done that. And he said, no, no, the, the time wasn't right, I think. And, and as I was praying, and like, Lord, what? What do I share about foundations? Because as Tony said, now there's going to be this membership form that you must sign. Now, I, I was in Joshua before we had membership forms. And I remember when they, people came, we need to sign membership forms, legal, legal things or whatever. So I was like, why do we have to sign stuff? You have my heart, you know? And when you go through orientation and you're on the gathering, you get prayed in, otherwise known as the opening of free ceremony, where you come and you declare that your fridge is open. It's not actually about that because your fridge should be open already. Right? If, if you, the fact that none, most of you guys have not done starting point or whatever, that is just a confirmation of, Lord, this is my family. This is just a declaration. So out to think of what's in your heart. Right? What you're already experiencing is not, okay, Lord, once I sign that thing, I need to open my fridge. No, no, your heart should be open to each other right now. And uh, it was strange that the Lord then said, and I was like, what do I share on foundations? He was like, kept on bringing up love. Everywhere I read it was love, love, love. And I was like, if you want someone to share on love and loving people, I think that's the couple. We have actually got our best. You guys, you guys actually got our best. Uh, you know, when people get planted out or sent out, where they leave, it leaves a gap. It actually changes in lacquer. 
But thank God. Thank God that he's moving. Thank God that his kingdom is advancing. Thank God that he's using people. Because it's not about our comfort. It's about what we used to. It's about, Lord, come and do what you want to do so your kingdom can advance. And as I was thinking about it, and I don't think the Lord really wants me to share on vertical love. You know, love for him. Because everything comes out of the place of loving God. But the, I felt the Lord say, I must ask, how is your love for each other doing as a congregation? And, and I felt this word is not for, because I know there's some sun, um, City Bowl AM guys here that came in and in the previous church. And I felt that the word is for the congregation. You know, you are in a season together. Like a congregation is like a house, it's a family, it's a tree. That season is the same. No one here in, in uh, City Bowl PM can be thinking, well, I'm in this place and that one's in that place. As a congregation, you are one. There's a oneness amongst you that you are in the same season. So words that come is not, oh, that's for the old guys, that's for the new guys, that's for the people that came from AM. There, is, there should be a oneness amongst you because the Lord said you will be known by your unity, by your oneness. And, and like Tony was sharing, oh, there was 10 salvations in uh, Sunningdale, and there's like 480 people, and there's... Well, that's just the season the Lord has us in. That is a congregation that's 20 years old. It has massive gifts in that congregation. You saw some of them here. We've got amazing worship leaders. We've got really as a gift. There's a lot of gifts there that's coming in and out. And... For me, that's the season that we're in right now. There's nothing of what we're doing or what... Yes, there is of being faithful, but the Lord has every single congregation, every family in a certain season. And I believe your season right now is where he's building in these foundations. It's not... There's a preparation that's coming for this congregation that you can contain what he, what he brings in season. When the fruit comes, he want to, wants to prepare you that you can contain it. And I was thinking, like, what is the thing? What is the, the main thing? What one thing can I share on? And I thought, like, when I came, to, 14 years ago, I came to Josh Jen. And I remember for two years, the thing that stood out was the love of the people. It wasn't the worship, which was amazing. When I say amazing, it wasn't the worship team. It was the church were crazy. The church were jumping around and going wild and... It was chaos. But, and it, as incredible as it was, it wasn't that. It wasn't the preaching which was good. And it was truth, and it was, it was the love of the people. And you know, it's that awkward type of love, man. That, where you're too friendly, you're pushing in too much. It's like there's no COVID rules, there's no social distancing. It's not that shake hand type of love, it's that huggy love. And for two years in the Congress, I was first in, I was last in, first out. I was like, this is not for me, man. Not everyone's the same. But actually in the kingdom, there's a love that unites us, that binds us, that you can't, that you have to be part of. And so as I was thinking about it and praying about it, the Lord said, well, it was love that won you. The love of the Lord, yes, but the love of the people of God. And amongst this congregation, there needs to be a unity and a love that is formed, that the Lord wants to see. And there can't be groups, there can't be that. These are my three friends, and these, oh, we from the old, oh, we from the new. There can't be that. There must be a thing of that we are one. 
that every wall gets torn down. That every, and it's not a, it's not a thing that we, like uh, Lindsay was saying, that they felt like to, to uh, shift comms and whatever it was doing, that will do nothing if you don't open up your heart. If your heart's response is in Lord, I want this love that only you can bring. Now, and it's not a mushy type of love. It's a blood-soaked love. Because that's the love the word's talking about. It's not, not a love that the world, it's not Valentine's love, it's not Cupid, shoot your arrow. It's not that type of love. And so I, my background, I come from a Catholic church. My idea of church was one mass on a Sunday for one hour. That was my concept of church. And then there was catechisms when I was young. I had to go on a Tuesday for two hours. We had some um, pretty strict nuns and priests that, <clears throat> that you had to, uh, taught you to pray, but you had to pray before you went there because it was quite scary. But then as I became an adult, it was like whenever I felt like going. So my concept of church was, it's a place you go to, you don't really know the people, you go there for an hour, you hear the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians or whatever, and then you go home. And then I came to this, then I got saved, I was in a church for two years, and I came to Josh Chen. And I came to this church where it wasn't a place you go to, it was the people. The people were really the church, the family of God. And the word speaks about this, that the church is the family of God. we brothers and sisters, we the household. We're the, the language is family. That it's a place you can belong. It's throwing the lonely into family. It's a real, authentic thing. It's the people, it's not the building. And if COVID taught us anything, it was like the people of God can congregate wherever. And that is where the church will be found. So... Is it Ingrid? Ingrid. Uh, I might skip some stuff. I, okay. So, now Paul said in, in um, 1 Corinthians 13, he said that you can have whatever you want. You can have the faith. You can have the gifts. You can have the works. You can have the, whatever you're doing, it can look right. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. So, you know, all these things that, that Tony and Lindsay and the leadership and the Lord has been building in you in this season. He's been building perseverance and all the foundations of how does the church look. And I'm sure it's been stretching for many of you. That sure, this is a bit different. Like a small church is challenging. Okay, we're we a big congregation and it's challenging. Because you're continuously having visitors and trying to build in these foundations. For you guys, it's challenging because you eat. Right? You eat. And, and when the fruit comes, you eat. Whatever you are, however you look, that's how they are going to look. And I, and I felt that the Lord say, well, in the season he wants you to look more like him. But the starting point is love. You can build whatever other brick you want on, but love is the cement. It's the foundation and it's the thing that binds every other block together. So you can have amazing faith, amazing outreach, amazing evangelism, amazing um, preachers, amazing word knowledge, amazing... But all those bricks mean nothing. It is nothing that holds it together. And that's love. Now, 1 John 4.12. Where does it go? Oh, both sides, sure. Go look there. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. You say, you see, no one has ever seen God. 
but you can get a glimpse of God through our love for each other. And the question for us is going to be, as visitors come into this place, and I think there's one or two visitors here today, are they seeing a, a glimpse of God through this? Like, well, I remember seeing it. I remember like, this people is weird. It wasn't normal. I'm not talking about, oh, they like each other. It was weird to me coming into Joshin. The love that I had for each other. Every, every Sunday, it was like, oh, this person needs a bed. This person needs a place to stay. This guy's moving. I'm like, get the mover. But no, 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 the, the, the church does it. The church was doing it. And then it wasn't like on WhatsApp. We had no WhatsApp. It was announced in the front, pick up your hand if you can. And people pick up their hand. They met in the corner. I was like, are they going to move them? Are they going to take them into the house? Are they going to? There was this thing of, do they even know them? They didn't. For visitors, sometimes it was, oh, this visitor has a need. And the people were opening up their homes. It was a crazy love that, I could, that you can't explain outside of God is here. And I want to say in the season, the Lord wants to build a love in you that doesn't look like the world. But this love that's going to come, this unity that's going to come, not just for yourselves, but for the world, is going to give people a glimpse of God. Because people have not seen God. But through our love for one another, they can get a glimpse. And I remember Andrew shared a story about a couple that came to the church. Not in Joshin, in P.E. And there was a couple that came to the church, they visited, and then they visited again, and then they plugged into community. And then as men said, we're going on the outreaches, they were going conferences, they were doing all these things, they were at Bryce, they were fully in. And I think about eight months to a year later, one day he was preaching, and they put up their hand for salvation. And then I was like, okay, they're confused, or they're recommitting, or whatever. Okay, we carry on. After the service, he went in, guys. I see you put your hands recommitting. No, no, we got saved today. He's like, but you're going to conferences, you're going to arteries, you're loving, you get a prize, you had everything. And they were like, no, it's because the love that the people had. Like when we came here, we found family. We found a belonging. And that's what kept them. Until one day a priest came there and oh, 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 is that what the Lord wants to do? Is that, what, that, is that how Jesus saves? And they put their hand up. Can I say that the word says that you will be known by your love for one another? And do you want to be, this congregation, do you want to be a people that people will say of you, sure, there's a crazy, that's what I used to say, there's a crazy love in this place. And the Lord wants to build that in you. Now, let me just give an early church example. So Paul, so I don't know, has Merv been to this, Merv has, has he been to this congregation? Okay. So I'm the wrong person to share in love. If you want someone to share on love, Mervis is the guy. <laughs> if you shared here before, somewhere during like you'd have come the Father's heart. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have shared the Father, the love of God, the love of the Father to adopt sonship. You'd have, you'd have heard all those things because it's in him. There's this thing of the love of God. Right? The so, me being here, we're probably out of sync. You should have actually been here, maybe. I know he's in, he's in Stellenbosch. He's one of the other congregations this morning. I mean, this afternoon. And... Um, you know, when I read what Paul wrote, I'm convinced that he met Mervis. I'm convinced. If you read what he wrote, he's like, beloved. Have you heard Mervis? Beloved. I miss you. Like the letters, if you read it, even when he's rebuking them, most of his letters, you know, when Paul writes letters to the churches, he's correcting them. They're doing stuff wrong. But in those letters, 
beyond what he did. He did incredible things. He, he, he touched the nations. But what, what stands out for me was the love he had. The people, the churches wasn't a project to him. It was his It was a family. Like if you, if you read those letters, I'm in prison. I wish I could be with you. I long for you. There was a, a cry to be with the people of God. There was a deep love in him. And then in Romans 9, 1 to 4, it says, I speak, this is Paul, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Now, that's pretty unbelievable. That's, that's crazy. So Paul is saying there is, you know, you must uh, die for your brother and sister. Paul is saying, I will give up my eternity for my brother and sister. I have such a deep love to see them come, to see them come in. Lord, I'll be separated from you. And I think now he's just trying to make a point as hyperbole, it's whatever. But he starts over there and he says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. And you know, if you read the scriptures and you read about Paul's life, he was beaten, he was imprisoned, he was persecuted, he was chased, he was shipwrecked, and eventually he was killed. So if you look at Paul's life and you read that, you'll be like, he actually meant that. He actually meant that. Because he loved it. He died for that thing. Because he had a deep love in him for the people of God. Now why would... Paul give up his eternity for his brothers. Why did he have such a deep love for them? Because they had a deep love for him. When he was the enemy. Now God, if you read um, Acts 9, it's probably the, it's one chapter, and it's the whole story of Paul going from against the church to loving the church, the most miraculous conversion. But it starts off saying he had murderous intent against the people of God. He was on the road to Damascus. This was in his heart. Hatred. And he comes before the living God. He comes for Jesus. He's blinded. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And then he goes to Damascus. And then the Lord speaks to a disciple in Damascus. Named Ananias. And in the vision, the Lord says, Go to him, baptize him. You will see again. And I've called him. And, and Ananias is like, do you know who he is? Like, Lord, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you know. But I've heard about him. He's locking and killing our people in Jerusalem. He's actually going from city to city, from place to place, filled with hate. He is our biggest enemy. If he's blinded right now, thank you, Lord. You fight for us. That would have been, like if that was me, that would have been like, yes, you got him. He's blind. You didn't have to kill him at school. He's blind. He can't travel no more. He can't come after us anymore. He's blind. He, now he's seen what our God can do. That would have been my heart. I, know, I don't know about you guys. I mean, you guys would have been, I shame. No, but uh, me, I would have been like, yes. We're going to proclaim to the nations. Look what happened to him. Don't touch on us. Don't touch God's people. That would have been my reaction. But then after the Lord said, no, no, no. He told Ananias, no, I know he is. But I've called him to be, to be a voice. I've called him to be the one that goes and declares my name to the Gentiles, to the nations, 
to the Israel uh, to the Israelites. And then Nice didn't be like, no, but I don't know if I'm the one for this. And he went, he did what he was told to do. And further on, I think it's after he got his eyesight back and he had such a conversion, he met with the living God. He started preaching. Paul started preaching. And then the Jews wanted to kill him. And who smuggled him out of Damascus? Oh, sorry. Um, who, who got him out of Damascus? <laughs> who got him out of Damascus? Um, it was the Christians that got him out. The brothers and sisters. He was on his way to destroy them, filled with hatred. And they are the ones that loved him. <laughs> Saved his life. And then he went to Jerusalem. And yeah, he's some preaching in Jerusalem. And then the Jews wanted to kill him again. And who saved him? The people of God. You know, he was full of murderous intent. He had killed, he had arrested, he had old imprisoned people in the church. In, definitely when he went to Jerusalem, there were people there looking at him like, you imprisoned my father, my mother, my son. But because God had forgiven him, they loved him. You know, I think of loving your enemy, they actually loved the enemy. Now, as we're sitting here, it's like this word is coming, and it's like, yes, so I only like three people in this congregation. I don't know where you're at. They might be like, I got my group, I don't want to, it's hard to. But the Lord said, I've called you to way more than this. This is the training wheels. This right here is the training wheels. This is a safe thing. If you can't do this, forget about doing anything for God. Because the call is to love your enemy. Love those against you. So that is how Paul, uh, that is how Paul had his deep love. Because he knew, he was like, he must have been astounded. He came into this, he came amongst this people that should have hated him. And they loved him. And the people that he was with tried to kill him. So, So Paul received that. We get it. Why did he love? Because God loved him. He received this great mercy. See, the Bible says the rich mercy. Great love. Amazing grace. And we're like, no, no, we understand why Paul loved. Like, I mean, yes, he was, I mean, he was bad. Paul was bad. But then every single one of us here that he saved received that same love, that same rich mercy, that same amazing grace. And you're like, no, I wasn't as bad as Paul. But the word says that the word says that we were dead in our transgressions, dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin. And let me just stop there. You, which is you, were dead. And in Spurs there, Salah. Or in Afrikaans, Fakhdar. Just just stop there. Just stop right there. You were dead. Most people got over that. It's like, oh you're dead, okay. And then I was saying, but Lord, look at all the stuff you did for me. Stop right there at you were dead. You weren't not doing so well. You weren't sick. You weren't, I'm okay, but I need a little bit of extra something. You were dead. And you were the enemy of God. You were a sinner. And God came while you were his enemy. And he sacrificed his son. And love came down. And his love was bloody. So I want to say that if there's any of us here, if you don't get that part, that you were dead, that it was a great love that saved you, an undeserving love. It was an am- amazing grace that saved you. It was a mercy that was rich. If you do not get that, you're not going to walk in this thing that you call to. You're not going to walk 
in what the Lord calls you to. But you don't have understanding that you were dead. But thank God you were alive. So how does love look? So Paul said it must be genuine, it must be... But I was going to pick out a few things, a few things for you quickly. So, love is not optional, it's non-negotiable. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, love isn't really my thing, I'm an introvert. So Lord, I'll do the other stuff, I'll serve, I'll do the AV. I'm not saying you, I'm not, not you, I'm just... I'll do, I'll do other stuff, Lord. But the love thing is maybe not for me... I, I can't love everybody. I can't. Well, in 1 John 3, 14, it says, this is our, sorry, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. So if you think love is an option, then you're going to remain in death. It's like a sinner's prayer didn't save you. So if you're on this road, so before you were saved, you were on one road. And then the Lord saved you. And then there was a, a new road you had to walk, and you had to turn. And now you're walking on this road. The Bible actually says you're walking in the way of love. So you're walking in the way of love. But if you came to this thing, you said a sinner's prayer, and you're like, you saw this is the way of love. That is not for me. You, co- you continued in death. You continued in death. Because unless you're walking in the way of love, Unless you're walking in the way of love, you are dead. So church, if there's one thing I want to take is that this is not optional. This is binary. This is on or off. It's not an option. And if you're struggling with it, it's about coming before the Lord, coming amongst your leaders, coming amongst the people and saying, help me in this, praying. But don't settle. Don't settle for death. The next one, it's going to cost you. 1 John 3.16 This is how we know that lo- what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And that's, that's quite extreme. But that laying down our life is laying down our plan. Our future. Our career path. Our, Lord, is this still what you want me to do? And the Lord will teach you that, but it's the thing of it, this love that we're talking about is going to cost you. When there's a thing of, there's a visitor that comes and need a place to stay, and you're like, I don't have a spare room. Well, you've got a couch you can lay on. And the stuff, that's stuff that I, I learned when I came to Joshin. It wasn't I got a spare room. It's like, now I've got a couch I can move to. There was a, I remember there was a lady that we hosted once, and she was telling us when she first came to a Joshin conference, a 412 conference, someone hosted her and a son. And they were in the main room, and they were like, where's these people? So I got two days, went by, whatever. And then I think on the end of the second evening, they were like, where are you guys? They were sleeping in the garage. They had a one-bedroom apartment with a single garage. They left the car outside. They slept in the garage. And they gave their room up for four, four days or whatever the conference is. See, this love is going to cost you. It's not a mushy, hey, let's love. It's going to cost you. It's an act of love. Can you put down 1 John 3, 18? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You see, the Lord won't be fooled that a love that is just speech is not genuine. 
It needs to be active. It needs to be actions. It needs to be a doing thing. So if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm quite loving. I love. Can you weigh that up in your actions? Can you, like, can you test yourself? Because it's easy for us to misdiagnose ourselves. It's easy for us to deceive ourselves. You know, they said the devil is the father of lies. The easiest person the devil can lie to is you about yourself. It's easy to see. Yo, I see something, that one, that one, but you don't see nothing in yourself. So can, can you use the word to be your thermometer, not your, your feelings? Can you weigh up, but I'm loving by your actions? Am I there when there's a need, where there's a call, where there's a thing to serve, where, oh, there's a thing going, oh, somebody needs, I, oh, someone's in hospital, can someone go pray for them? Are you there? Oh, I was raining outside. Will you go? That's active. Next one, 1 Peter 4 to 8. So next one, love covers, love forgives. So 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sin. So that doesn't mean that love covers sin, that people can continue sinning. It means love forgives. Love forgives. And so one of the things, if you've got this love in you, there's going to be, some, there's going to be a quick to forgive in you. There's not going to be, actually in uh, Sunday Hill this morning, there was a picture of uh, a heart that has certain rooms in it that's locked away. And like, Lord, that's not for you. I'm, that's my stuff. And you think, like, my heart's okay. Lord, I'm putting that stuff in a corner, but the rest of my heart's okay. But the truth is that then, that unforgiveness is not a forgiveness problem, it's a love problem. That, that an unforgiving heart can never be a loving heart. Now, and the Lord knows. And I'm sure as you're sitting here, you're like, if there's any of you that got this unforgiveness in you, insert, but it's locked away deep, Lord, it's not affecting me. It is. It's the same heart. And if you got it locked away deep and you're saying, but Lord, no one understands the pain. No one understands what happened. No one understands... And I said, the Father understands. Jesus understands. The Holy Spirit understands. But yet he still calls you to forgive. See, a, a loving heart for this love you call to is going to take forgiving. And it's not going to be the surface forgiving. That person, that taxi drove in my way. I saw him and then I said, sorry, Lord, I forgive him. It's going to be deep things. Because the Lord says he's not worried about the out. He's not worried about the leaves of the tree. He gets down and he wants to work in the soil. He wants to work in the roots. He wants to, and, and I believe that for this love to come through, a lot of you guys are going to have to be like, and the Lord will work in everything, but Lord, search me, O oh Lord, like David. Unlock, I'm unlocking the areas. Lord, whenever you want to go there, whatever you want to do, come and do it because I can't. But I'm tired of having it locked because I can't live with a heart that doesn't truly love. The last one is, um, so there's this lot. The love needs to be wired. Right? So through all, when, if you go read any of the Gospels, go read Acts. Love that you call to is wide. It starts with friends and family. Then it gets a bit more tricky. Neighbors. Uh, people I work with. People, uh, I keep on bumping them into the tail at, at spa. Okay, who leaves for you? You know, this is the things that the Lord will call you to. But then he calls you to love your enemy. 
See, this love of God that he's calling into is all-encompassing. Oh, there's full coverage. I've got a CLC phone that doesn't, that doesn't have full coverage. But this is full coverage. There's, no, there's nothing that escapes. There's no one on this earth you can look at and say, I don't have to love you. The Lord called it. No, no, not, it's not for you. No, no, this love that you call to is wide. Because believe me, when his son died, who did he die for? Everyone. That will accept him. That will believe. The love that he died, when he died, the love that Jesus had was wide. And that's what we call them. That's pretty much the points. I just want to say this thing of increasing. That his love must be increasing. That when Paul spoke to the Thessalonian church and said, I want to see an increase of love. Later on, he goes and says, I know there's a deep love in you. I know the Lord is working a love in you. But yet he still says, let it be increasing. Can anyone hear that you're doing well in love? Can I say that it's a moving, increasing thing? You're continuously going. Say, Lord, I want more. Lord, take me deeper. That's a Tanya. So my wife, Tanya, she um, started learning bass guitar. Eh? And now she started playing it, brother. And she was playing, and I was like, I shame. It was. <laughs> and then she got herself like earphones so that only she can. But she says, it's not so that we don't hear, uh, so that she can pick up the counts in the beats. I got no musicals, so I don't know. So then Sean uh, one day saw the uh, guitar, and he was like, it's a shame, man. This thing needs to be tuned. It needs to be. So he took it away, and he tuned it. And he took out parts and put in parts and whatever. So can I say that all of us here, every single believer is a, tar, is a guitar that is not tuned. Slowly the Lord tunes it. But none of us, it's like sure, it's perfectly tuned. But we need to be like that thing of coming, like we did. And the guitar is dead. It's like, Sean, did the guitar fight you? Did it fight with you when you were tuning it? It was a bit rebellious. It was her guitar, but anyway, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> but it needs to be like a state thing that Lord, come and do what you want to do. Come and tune what you want to tune. It's not like that. No one's going there. I've, I've loved enough. I've reached my love quota. He wants to con- there must be a continuous increase. And then when the guitar came back and Tanya was playing it, uh, it, was, it was a bit better. Like the, the music was a bit better. So we get, so it's not like, oh, it's going to be, it's not from zero to hero. It's going to be one step at a time. It's going to be like, Lord, I'm moving forward. Right, it's not going to be, but sometimes in the kingdom we want glory. We want to see from Lord, I was this, but now look at me now. But the kingdom doesn't work like that, it's step by step. Okay. Now, so this is the thing for me, so I know I don't look like it, but I'm not, a, I don't like, I'm lazy. I don't like physical work. And when I came to Josh Jean, oh, this is after the two years, and I'm like, there's a lot of people moving, guys, and whatever. I mean, and my hands aren't made for moving. I mean, I'm a programmer. I'm a software developer. I work with laptops. I mean, this is very soft hands. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, Lord, that's not for me, man. The, the moving thing. I... And then one day the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to start moving. And I'm like, Lord, you know, you know that's not my... No, I want you to move. Move people. So I'm like, okay. And at this stage, we're moving people every week. Don't ask me why. I don't know. People's just moving every week. I'm like, it's not my thing, bro. Why are you moving? But anyway. <laughs> so now we... Um, I went to these two guys that seemed to be the movers of church. They, were, they had a group that, their names are John and Monet. 
one they were in the church, I think. One was community leader. One, one was um, a, a kids' church leader. And I spoke to them, and I said, look here, I don't know, but you guys seem to be the movers here. You're always involved. You're always posting messages. Let me know. They added me to a group. And by then, every week, this owns a movie. I thought, okay, I'll do it once or twice, Lord. And then, by then, week one went, we moved the guys. But I realized there wasn't so much about the moving. The moving was short. But then we're having pizza, we're fellowshipping, we're like, hey, da, da. it was amazing. And we had more guys than we actually needed. So it wasn't so much about the moving, it was about the loving. And then we went two, three, four, and then I'm like, also, I'm like, okay, have I learned my lesson, Lord? No, no, you carry on. So we moved, we moved. I said, like, we can give us a name. We can start a business, Joshin Movers, whatever. And we, we were moving, and I was building with these guys. It was incredible. And then one day, but it stopped soon after that. Well, it slowed down. But one day we moved this guy. And I'm like, I don't recognize him. It was up to this point, it was all Josh Jenner's. So we moved this guy, and I'm like, and then I see this guy can't talk. Okay. We move him, whatever, move to his house, and now it's pizza time, we get pizza. And he comes and sits there, but he can't talk. And then John, she says, oh, you know, he works with him. So work colleague, he's not saved. He's not even saved. Uh, I think he did get saved, but he wasn't saved at that point. I'm like, okay, but I was not saved. Now we just him. Now we're moving everybody. <laughs> so anyway, but the guy, then it turns out he's, he's two teenagers is there, his wife is there. Uh, they're not saved. They're not churched. But they're thanking us. We're having pizza. We said, oh, come to the church, whatever. And it turned out being a terminal cancer, throat cancer. He, he probably, I think he had three months old. And we moved him because, okay, he had to downscale because... And that family got a glimpse of God that morning. And when that when I when that happened, I saw okay, Lord, it was it's about us loving each other, but about us loving the world so they can see you. And that's what it means. We said the world will see that we are His by our love, one for another. And then. Um, I've got two more things in I'm land. Um, so, John, remember uh, John and Mary were at the cross. And as Jesus is about to die, he says, uh, Woman, there is your son. Okay, and John said, The apostle Jesus loved. No. The disciple Jesus loved. Okay, John, that's you. John, here is your mother. And the word says that John took Mary in. Right? Now, Jewish tradition then, John didn't need to take her in. She wasn't, uh, Jesus had brothers, so in, in that culture, the oldest brother, once the father dies, looks after the mother. And then the next one, and the next one. So James was around. So Jesus had other brothers that could have taken her in. That should have, by right, should have. John could have said, no, but it's James' responsibility. But he took her in. Now, if you read the scriptures, if you read a bit about John, you can see that him and Peter had a bit of a thing. Like, who's gonna, yeah, yeah we, we did, like, we did too. Manna. So I think that John actually had a thing of, he had dreams of counting in the kingdom. He had dreams of planting churches, traveling, doing things for God. But all Jesus said was, here's your mother. So you know what they did? And this isn't a word, but this is biblical history and uh, ancient history. There's historians. That's what Jesus, what uh, John did was he moved to Ephesus. And he was in that local church. And Mary lived with him. He didn't travel. He didn't plant churches. He gave up. He laid down his life. He gave up whatever big... No, Lord, but as if your kingdom, sometimes we can do that. No, no, Lord, you can't call me to this. You've got big plans for me. And, and I think the natural, the Lord could have used John in amazing ways. 
But he said, no, just look after my mom. And then later on, when Mary dies, he get, they, the, the, his history says they tried to boil him. He didn't die. He went to Patmos. He was exiled there, imprisoned there. He wrote Revelation. But then it says when he was very old, they released him. Like this, but I can't even walk. He's old now. So we can release him. And he went back to Ephesus. And this is where I think uh, I heard someone, I think it was Andrew, share this. He, so he went back to, to Ephesus. He was living there. And, but he couldn't walk. So the young men of the church would put him on a bed thing and they'd carry him to church. And they put him down there. And then, like, the, the young guys is preaching and the worship and whatever's happening, I can only imagine. But then at the end, they're like, John, tell us, tell us about, like, you, tell us something about Jesus. What did he have the Wadri say, Wadri? And John, and John said, love each other, little ones. And they were like, but you always tell us, every, like, give us something different. And you just say, love each other. At the end of his life, the thing that counted, the thing that, the biggest thing you could share about walking with Christ was love each other. And the last thing. So this story, um, so Mother Teresa, right? She was a Catholic nun. Um, so she, she was doing work in Calcutta in India. She was doing training, like ministry training, training nuns, whatever. And as she used to drive in the city, the Lord convicted her to say, go and look after the unlovable, the untouchable. Now, if you've been to India, I've been to India. I've actually, my grandfather was born in India. He told me stories about the caste system. There is literally untouchables in India. They won't touch you. Just because, not you're sick, not you're a leper, you're that tier of person. And that's real. I mean, when I was in India, I saw that. So, um... So the Lord spoke to her and said, go and work with untouchable. So she did, really she did incredible things. The, what the Lord called it to, she worked with the, with the most broken of the broken, the poorest of the poor. So there's one guy that said he wanted to write the story about Calcutta. It was called the city of, the city of God, of children of God, or something, whatever the book was. So he wrote the book, but to write the book, he'd, go, he'd have to go and spend some time in Calcutta with uh, Mother Teresa. But he, he went for two weeks and he was absolutely broken. So the one day he goes with her in, and in the gutters there's a, a dying baby whose hands and feet had been bitten off by rats. So Mother Teresa picks this baby up, goes and they, they you know, bandages it up, feed the child, whatever. But these are the things they did daily. So um, they get home, and Mother Teresa can see this brother, he's, he's not looking good. Like, are you okay? Did you see? And she asked him, did you see Jesus today? And he said, now I'm broken. I've seen devastation. I've seen brokenness. I've seen... I've, there's nothing here that I've seen of Jesus. And all Mother Teresa, she took his hands and she was... For, I think for half an hour, she was rubbing his hands, opening and closing it. And all she said was, You did it for me. 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 Over and over. And that's the story in Matthew 25. There's a story where Jesus says, there's a parable, and he says, there's going to be a king that's going to come back. And the way he's going to know who is the goats and who is the sheep, who is his and who is not his, is by this thing. This is one of the ways he's going to know. He's going to say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. 
When I had no place to stay, you took me in. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you visited me. This is how I know that you are mine. And then the people were like, that were chosen. That, oh, that the king said, you did this for me. And they were like, but we, to the king, to Jesus, but we never did these things for you. And Jesus' response was, what, to, what you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I think that you see the love of God. It becomes made real. It is manifested through us loving each other in the world. And that's the word, word I had for you today. And I think there's going to be a day when we're going to come before this God. And everything we do will be tested. And, and unless this thing is undergirded in love, if it was motivated by people seeing me, if it was motivated by seeking glory, if it was motivated by anything other than a love for God and a love for people, I don't think it's going to pass the test. And on that day, many is going to come and say, Lord, Lord, I, and unless it's undergirded in love, yes, I never knew you. Because can I say, if you know God, if you're spending time with God, if you're in His presence, if you're having quiet time, if you're doing all these things, if you are hungry for His presence, for His Holy Spirit, love will come. Love will come. It's not something you're going to have to be like, okay, oh, I need to make this happen. This love that we're talking about comes from God. The Bible said it's a love that comes from God nowhere else. So, if there's anyone here this morning, I mean this afternoon, that's, they're saying, Lord, I want this love that you give. I want more of this. Um, I want my heart to be full. You know, we're singing, come and fill this room, Lord. Come and your presence fills the. You know, the Lord's more interested in filling your heart. When you sing a song, come and fill the room, don't look up. Look in. The Lord is trying, the Lord wants to fill your heart. And I say, if there's anyone here, they say, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of that. I want more of your love. Can you stand up? Can you stand up on a prayer, please? Come, Lord. Come, Lord.